Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm your host. I'm a confidence coach for world changers, and I'm really excited about this episode today. It is with Stacey Hartman, who is an absolute bright, shiny, sparkly light. But before we get to that episode, I want to tell you something. You, my fellow human, you magical being, you are worth waiting for. There are so many times in our lives that we we rush for other people. But <clears throat> excuse me, we rush because of the stories we tell ourselves about other people. So maybe we feel like, oh my God, somebody's waiting for my parking spot. I gotta pull out right now. We tell ourselves that that other person needs us to get out of that parking spot, that that other person is angry with us. We got to hurry. Maybe it's when we're walking across the street. Instead of walking, we run feeling super apologetic that, that this car has stopped for us, that we have to hurry up and get across. Maybe it's in an email comes in and we feel like we have to respond to it this instant or a text or a DM, or whatever it is, we feel like we have to respond right this second. Maybe it's feeling sick or just not feeling like ourselves and feeling like we have to show up at work or at an event or an interview, no matter what. You know what? That person, the people at work don't want you coming to work sick. The person who's interviewing you wants you to be your best self, wants you to be shiny and sparkly. Everyone around you wants you to be your best self. We all want to interact with the best version of you. Everyone wants you to be your best. And you are worth waiting for. Your magic is worth waiting for. Your best self is worth waiting for. Your presence is worth waiting for. You are magical. The universe wants you to be sparkly AF. All of the other humans on this planet want you to be your best self. All the other animals, all the children, all the plants, everyone just wants you to be you, your best, shiniest, sparkliest self. We all want to support you in that. We want to interact with you as that. So please stop making yourself small. You are allowed to take up space. We want you to take up space. We want you to cross the street safely. We want you to show up to the job interview or whatever it is as your best self. We don't want you to come sick. We don't want you when you're not feeling like yourself. We still love you. We'd rather love you from afar. We want you to get out of that parking spot safely. 
you, my magical friends, are worth waiting for. Okay, now on to Stacey Hartman. This is such a fun episode to record. Stacy, Stacy and I jam on, we have this, I don't want to use the word hatred, but neither of us are into the whole hustle thing. So we talked a bit about that. We talked about her background as a juvenile probation officer. Yeah. Did you catch that? She was a juvenile probation officer. Have you ever met a juvenile probation officer before who then goes on to become this super empowering, inspiring life coach? Yeah. I love the combo. I mean, coming marine biologist to life coach, I see the, I see the connection there. So I guess we have a similar connection in that. This episode is just, it's fire. Listen to it. Love it. Please share it with your people. Share it on social media. Tag me on social media. I'm at Kelsey Abbott CPC. Oh, and before I forget, the Up Level With Ease Sisterhood, this site is live. So please go check it out at kelseyabbott.com slash uplevel. This is your opportunity. If you identify as a woman, this is your opportunity to work with me in a group coaching experience. You'll get all the things. We get two group coaching sessions. You get private coaching sessions with me. You get access to my girl gang, which is loaded with experts. You get community. You get sisterhood. You get massive growth and you get ease because we don't do hustle in the up level with ease sisterhood. We do magic. If that sounds good to you, go check it out and schedule your discovery session so we can get you started. Go to kelseyabbott.com slash up level. Enjoy today's episode. Love you. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My guest today is Stacy Hartman, the founder and creator of the Wealthy Minimalist Movement. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks, Kelsey. I'm so excited you're here. Can you just explain what Wealthy Minimalist, <laughs> look at me rocking minimalist now, I can do it. Um, what does that mean? Yeah, so this is a concept that uh, really came to me just through almost a divine download. And what it really means is, you know, there was one day I was sitting um, next to my pool. I had all these huge business aspirations. My business was rocking it. And all of a sudden I felt that I was on this path of like more, 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 more. And what I realized was that what, what wealthy minimum is it minimalism is I'm picking up on your minimalism. <laughs> what wealthy minimalism is, is that it's, it's the both. And so we can be a minimalist, meaning we can, squeeze all the juiciness and greatness out of our everyday life and we can create massive wealth. It doesn't mean being a minimalist that we have to be frugal and, you know, not create wealth. And it's like the realization we can have both. And I love anything and everything that kind of defies um, that dichotomy where it's the both and where we can generate massive wealth, which actually then perpetuates the wealth in the world. When we get wealth in the hands of the right people, it actually fuels our earth. It fuels our bodies. It fuels our genius. We can use wealth in that way while simultaneously not going into massive consumption and still be completely minimalist. Mm. Your words feed my soul. Can you say more about wealth getting wealth in the hands of the right people. Just keep going on that, please. Yeah, yeah. So I truly believe, like deep down in my soul, I actually know that when we get more wealth into the hands of the people who are here to 
change the world, to shift paradigms, to uncover and innovate new ways that our world will forever change. We will no longer be trying to solve today's problems through the lens that we're seeing them, but we'll be able to innovate whole new ways to change and shift systems that have been broken forever. We're stepping into possibility and away from problem. And I see wealth as being money, like actual tangible money. Now I'm not just talking about abundance, I'm talking about money. I actually see money as being a powerful vehicle to be able to do that. And one of my things when I think about wealth is one of my favorite quotes is from Walt Disney. And he says, I, I don't make uh, movies to make money. I make money to make more movies. So I actually believe that we create a wealth cycle, like a wealth tornado. When we're here to do good in the world, when we're here to change the way things are, the more wealth we have, the more change we can make. We generate wealth for that reason to pour it all back out into the world, not to consume and be self-serving and, um, and, fill a bottomless pit of more. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So take us back in time. How did you, you're a certified professional coach. You haven't, you weren't born that way. How did you get into coaching? What inspired you? Just tell your story, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's like a, a story of mayhem and synchronicity that kind of have led, has led me on this path, which I think is probably the norm for all of the awesome souls on your podcast. Wait, I also feel like that's a great book title, Mayhem and Synchronicity. Just Ooh. plant that seed back there. <laughs> mayhem. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. So, so my background is as a juvenile probation officer and I've always been wide eyed. I've always been visionary. I truly believed I was going to transform the juvenile justice system when I decided to become a probation officer. And I realized really quickly, like that the system is totally broken. Okay. And wait, Cause I, I told you before we hit record that you're the first juvenile probation officer I've ever met. What made you decide that that's how you wanted to change the world? Um, again, uh, mayhem and synchronicity. So, so if I back that story up, I remember I was in about middle school and I came from a very sheltered family, middle class, small town. I really wasn't exposed to, um, like the tragedies of our world, right? Like homelessness and, um, and so what happened was my family was taking a trip to California. I always thought I wanted to be a rock star or a singer. And I truly believed that like I was going to be discovered in California when I went with my family. I was like trying to prepare them that I may not be coming back home because I'm probably going to be discovered and I'm going to become a star. And when I got to California, that was the first time I had witnessed homelessness. That was the first time I had witnessed people living life in ways that I couldn't understand and I couldn't comprehend that I, I, I just couldn't put my finger on, how is this even possible? We've got all these resources and we've got everything available to us. And my entire focus instantaneously, like my heart was pierced and I no longer gave a flying crap about being famous or being discovered. And I just truly was like enthralled with this, how can this be different? And, um, and it was especially when I thought about the kids and how they really were put into situations that weren't 100% by choice. And uh, that led me to being really interested in serving less advantaged populations and what better place than the criminal justice system. Mm. All right. So side mm. note, um, I feel like you're to the middle school version of you. You are a rock star now. It's just a <laughs> little different. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Know you. you are changing the world and you are like, you're doing it from stages that may not look like the typical stage that you pictured. Yeah. At that age. Yeah. And I love that you said that Kelsey and it just, it makes my heart sing because I always knew I wanted to share a message. I mean, I think I chose music because music moves people. And so I always knew I wanted to move people. I want to inspire people. And and so, yeah, you're right. Like, this is what I get to do every day now. I get, I get to move people. I get to share a message that I'm passionate about and inspire people to think about wealth and particularly differently and just living life differently. Hmm. Okay. So then one day you decided to get out of the juvenile justice system. Mm-hmm. How'd that go down? Yeah. So, so I actually, because I was always on a search for something that would actually work for these kids, like that could actually help them reduce the recidivism rates. Um, that was when I came across coaching. And so as soon as I came across the coaching industry, which I knew nothing about, I was wildly skeptical. I was like, that's great. I'm sure this works really well for like peak performance people, executives and people who are already successful, but I wanted to know, I'm not interested in it unless it works for everyone. So I immediately brought my coaching skills um, to my most challenging client. And I told him for 90 days, I would stop being his probation officer and I would be his coach. And he bought in, he was totally on board because he's like, you mean you're not going to violate me for using drugs and alcohol? And I was like, no, because coaches don't have their own agenda. So I was like being stretched in my own way. And, um, and what happened with this young man in 90 days was nothing short of amazing. He was somebody who'd been placed out of the home from the time he was two years old. He had never been in a mainstream high school. And in that 90 days, he got clean. He transitioned to a mainstream high school. He started making plans for college. He rediscovered a passion around art. He was unrecognizable. And so I knew that we had something. Like I knew that this really, this shifting consciousness thing was a real deal. So I, um, from there, knew I couldn't be a probation officer and a coach because I was violating the court order myself. <laughs> and um, we developed a program, um, the, a program, the same program I ran with him, to work with the kids who were most at risk of dropping out in our community. And we raised a quarter of a million dollars, served a couple hundred youth in this program, and we watched the same results happen over and over again. Like 95% of the kids significantly reduced their dropout rates. We watch kids go from the fail list to the A honor roll, not the B honor roll, the A honor roll in a semester's time. And it was amazing. Are you still in touch with any of these kids? Uh, interestingly enough, not too long ago, just about a month ago, um, my mother-in-law uh, happened across one of them and he recognized her last name as being the same as my last name. And he said, hey, do you know Stacy? Do you know Stacy Hartman? She said, yeah, she's my daughter-in-law. And he just kind of shared like, the impact that that program had on his life. And now he's an adult and he's working and um, thriving. That's amazing. Well, that story just gives me goosebumps. Yeah. But that's not who you work with anymore. No. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, Mayhem and Synchronicity. Yes, that is totally a book. That is totally a book title. Yeah. So, um, so as that program grew and, you know, even as I, as you ask these questions, like, I have more reflection coming through about even where the wealthy minimalists came from, right? Because as that program grew, it was like, I wanted more, I wanted more reach. I wanted more impact, more, more, more. And so we started to grow and bigger is not always better. So a couple more youth workers got trained in all the methodologies. I was pulled off the front lines into an administrative role. 
um, where I was managing budgets, I was training, I was not doing my work. I was not doing the work that I was here to do. I was not inspiring and I was not sharing a message. I was just behind like the puppet master behind everything. And I burnt out within a month and I knew that it was time for me to pivot because I also knew I couldn't quite go back to the front lines because the vision that I had was so much bigger than how fast it could move in the partnerships that I was in. And so um, that was when I had this realization. I went and saw another, there's always this like energy worker in my synchronicity, another energy worker. And she said, um, oh, I see it so clearly. You've been in this dark ocean for over a decade, really pouring into these kids and you're just ready to go have fun and just like sit on the beach. And as soon as she said it, I knew it. And I realized, you know how many other visionaries are out there like myself? They know they're here to do big things. They don't know how to bring the vision to fruition. I realized that's who I really want to work with. I want to work with the change agents. I want to help create the ripple effect that we created for the kids that we were serving. So I made a hard right pivot away from working with kids and took a massive leap of faith without having any experience in business. And just that's the direction I went. Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Just, love just, it. Okay. <laughs> what do you love about it? Um, one of my, most of my clients, they come, well, there's a few things. One, um, most of my clients, they come in and they, it's the first time that they've actually had somebody hold their vision and stretch them into the biggest version of their vision. And to me, that's so inspiring. It's like the ultimate human spirit to be completely limitless in how big the vision and impact is that you want to make. And how many of my clients are are just come in dim, you know, they come in kind of dim and to just be able to crack this open and then watch them put it into momentum and motion and, um, and show up and express their souls and express their message is just awesome. Like talk about find your awesome, like they're finding their awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what finding your awesome means. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we, before we hit record, I just asked you quickly what you think of the word hustle, because I remember seeing, I think we, we may have posted about it at similar times with similar opinions. Um, as entrepreneurs, there is a message out there. You got to hustle. You got to yeah. work hard. You got to force, you got to push. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's, I think that that, 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 that gets short term results, but it comes with a price that's not worth paying, you know? And so that's why really when I talk about unhustling or when, you know, when your philosophies around hustling, it's like, there's such an easier way we, we can, we can tap into the shortcuts, the wisdom, the creative flow, and all of that leads us to where we're going a thousand times faster than any of the efforting that we're putting in. Mm -hmm. And when we step into just being, being our message, being who we are, being, being what we're here to share, everything unfolds effortlessly, organically, easily, and, you know, manifestation, whatever we want to call it, things just happen. And it's sad to me that so many people are breaking their back to get someplace and ultimately find that they're not even really ever getting there. I mean, I think, think about that. How many businesses are failing and it's not because they're not busting their butt. So there's got to be another way. And, and that's what you and I are tapping into. Yeah. So what does ease look like to you? To me, ease is, is flow. Like, so flow and, um, and there's kind of this, to me, it's very simple. I don't act unless it comes from an insight that's beyond myself. 
So all action is driven by insight. And then as a result, it's like this insight act and the joy of creation and the joy of bringing the insight into grounded action. So when I talk about unhustling, it doesn't mean any, and I'm guessing the same for you, because obviously you're like doing these podcast interviews all the time and running your business. But it's like, it doesn't mean I'm not working. In fact, I may even be technically working more hours than a lot of entrepreneurs, but it sure as heck doesn't feel like work. It is the joy of creation. It is the joy of connection and community and tribe and movement and messaging. And it's all these things that I literally could do all day long. And there's not a single ounce of it that feels hard. It feels amazing. It feels awesome. In fact, if I weren't doing it, if I weren't following the insight and acting on it and following the ease and the flow, my soul would die. And so it's not a hustle. It's like a move. It, there's so much movement and so much momentum, but it's effortless. Mm, I think, yes, to everything you said. For me, my work is play. It just all feels like play to me. And yeah, unhustling doesn't mean just sitting on the couch and just like waiting for stuff to come in. <laughs> it means you're, you're still doing everything you do is aligned. Yeah. Not, I compare it to in sports. You can muscle through anything and it's miserable. It's really uncomfortable. And you know what? When you relax and ease and flow into something, probably going to go faster and it's going to look a hell of a lot prettier. It's the same in business. Mm -hmm. That analogy comes from experience, trying to muscle through things. Doesn't work. (laughs) No. So how do we... How do we step into ease? I feel that question coming right before you asked it. And this word just keeps coming up over and over and over again. And it's, and it's always the same word and there's always another level and it's trust. Hmm. It's trust and knowing that when we're tapped in, that when we decide to enter the river on the raft and flow down as opposed to swim up, that it always works out, that it always works out, that it is inevitable, that success is inevitable, that wealth is inevitable, that everything is inevitable so long as we trust. Trust and know. Yeah. Is trusting easy for you? It's a muscle that's being built every single day. Yep. And, and, it, and in my experience, I'm interested in hearing if this is your experience as well, is that about the time I feel like I'm deeply trusting, I get um, pulled into a scenario that stretches it even further. Like there's truly an infinite amount of layers of trust. Yeah, I have a similar experience. Like I've been like, yeah, I'm trusting, I'm trusting. And then something happens, okay, I guess I gotta step up the trust. Like I guess it, it's, it feels like I'm in a class that like, oh sweet, I'm gonna pass this time. I'm finally going to like graduate from this class. Oh, no, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I do want to point out that what we're talking about right now with trust isn't trusting other people. It's trusting the universe. It's Mm -hmm. trusting ourselves. Trusting the flow. I think it's trusting our work. What else? What would you add to that? Yeah, it's... um... Well, as you're talking about trust, it's um, the words wholeness and completeness come to mind when you say trusting ourselves and trusting the universe. It's like trusting that nothing else matters because between me and the universe, I am whole and complete. 
Mm. which allows me to then detach, which allows me to then not have to hustle for results because I don't need any results because I, I'm already whole and complete. And that's the other thing with the wealthy minimalist is we realize our spirit has everything we need. We don't need wealth to fill our spirit. We want wealth to fill our human, our human experience, right? And what we're here to do as humans. But it's always knowing that, that there's trust in, that, in our wholeness and completeness no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter which way it goes, we are always whole and complete. Mm. And the universe knows it and we know it. And that's why it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or what, you know, what the world says, or if, you know, if people aren't on board with what you're saying, or you have the haters or whatever it is, it's like, it doesn't even matter because it's between me and the universe. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't about other people. Mm -hmm. It's like the other people are listening into a conversation that yeah, it's not, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah so what is your vision what's your like I guess let's make that question bigger what's your mission uh, my mission is to make wealth creation for for the whole for good for the good of everybody uh, to be mainstream to redefine our relationship with wealth so that we can truly get this circulation of wealth and impact. And I, I, I'm hesitating even saying some of that because it's not in the sense that most people think, you know, you and I just kind of briefly mentioned this. Mm -hmm. A lot of world changing entrepreneurs say they want to be a philanthropist. They want to pour into the causes they care about. And my vision actually goes bigger than that because so many of the causes that we're pouring into um, are band-aids. And so it's like really um, using wealth to take the limits off of the possibilities and not even going back into those old systems and feeding those old systems. And this is where I can see wealth when we get more hands into the, more wealth into the hands of um, the true paradigm shifters, the like actual world changers, those that are willing to go big enough with their vision, that they are going to be innovating new solutions. Like they're not just going to be addressing a problem from the same lens. They're going to be innovating something totally different. And that's where the money like is flowing in. Like to me, and I feel like I can even feel already as I'm saying this, like, Oh, here comes the judgment <laughs> from people probably. But to me, I actually have no interest in pouring financial resources into most of the existing nonprofits, even the nonprofits that I worked within that I partnered with, because to me, I'm pouring money into a bottomless pit and I want to ensure that we're creating our philanthropy and our give back in a way that is sustainable mm. and not just flooding money into the same thing that then just requires more money. And it's a self-perpetuating. Yeah, that, that resonates so much with me. Do you have a vision for what you want to do with your wealth? I think it's still unfolding. Um, I definitely see, I definitely see this, you know, similar to the program that we brought into the schools uh, I certainly see creating something like that on a grander scale because it was absolutely sustainable and it was teaching to me. It's like anywhere where we're, you know, I, I, here's the thing. I actually don't even love the starfish story. Like, Oh, well I saved that one. Like that's how freaking crazy my mind is like, Oh, well I saved that one. It's like, no, I don't want to just be throwing starfish back into the ocean. I want to literally like take all these starfish and teach them how to never find their way back out of the ocean. It sounds utopian. It sounds crazy. Like, but that's just the way it is. Like I'm not interested in saving anybody. Like I don't want anybody to feel like they have to be saved. 
And I've got so much background in this, working with disadvantaged populations. We own um, investment property where we have housed homeless people. And the reality is, is unless we're going to teach people how to tap into their power, like they have access to all the same power that creates worlds that all of us do. To me, it's, it's pointless. Like I want to use my wealth to work with people who have ideas, innovators, philanthropists, whatever they may be. Um, I just can see pouring tons of wealth in that direction of the people who are teaching and inspiring people how to tap into the energy and the power to create their own worlds. Mm, I love it. And I love what you're saying about like not saving people. There's, it isn't about rescuing people. No one needs rescuing. I mean, maybe in certain instances when a tsunami hits on, on that level, there's that level of rescuing, but it, this grander scheme, none of us are broken. None of us need rescuing. Mm-hmm. We just need to remember. I love that you brought that up because I mean, that's where I think this concept rubs people the wrong way is that the reality is, is we do have survival needs that need to be met. The key is, is how can we meet those needs? Like how, like I'm happy to, you know, put clothes on people's backs and get them food. So long as it's in tandem with the inspiration, the education, the, um, the growth so that I don't have to keep coming back and perpetuating their own shame stories around not being enough, not, not having enough or not being enough. Um, so there's definitely a both. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. Like there are emergencies where people need our help and our support. The key is like, how do we make it more sustainable so that we don't just perpetuate the same stuff that's already happening? Yeah, exactly. And I just had like five thoughts come in at once. So I just want to figure out where I want to go. Um, Oh, I don't know. They all canceled each other out. So let's just go someplace else. Um, Okay. So I don't usually ask for tips, but I am really curious. So somebody's listening and they're like, and they think they need rescuing right now. Mm -hmm. They're still in that mindset of, rescue me, save me. What would you say to them? Mm, That's a great question. Um, so, so it's interesting because it's like, it's, there's no like, just like quick fix for any of it. Right. It's like such an evolution always. And I would say any ounce of their being that can believe that there's a reality that exists beyond their current reality um, that that's the cracking open, you know, that, that it doesn't have to be this way. And so that kind of feeling of needing saving, it's like almost projecting themselves into the future a little bit about, you know, if I, it's almost like if I, if I weren't, if what would, and being curious, I think that's the big thing, right? Like being curious, like what if I didn't need to be saved? What would be possible for me if I had my needs met without needing them met by anybody else? I think if, if we can teach people just how to ask curious questions if be willing to sit in the question without looking for a solution, that they would start to tap into the answers that they've had all along that don't come from other people. And so that would be my, my tip is like in any given moment, mind you, I know on my own spiritual journey, I feel like I, in this spiritual journey, I've hit the depths of depression, despair, more so than had I not been on a spiritual journey. 
And all of that has been to just teach me to be in radical self-acceptance in no matter what I'm experiencing. So it's kind of like, I guess if there are people in that place, it's really like, how can you just be okay with not being okay? How can you come into some sort of acceptance that this is how it is right now, as opposed to trying to push against what is. And the moment that acceptance comes in um, and the release of judgment about the situation, new possibilities start to show up that are right in front of us all the way, but we couldn't see them because of our resistance. Mm. Kind of a long answer. It was a perfect answer. It, it, it took me a whole bunch of different places. And so curiosity is like my favorite thing in the world. And it comes very naturally to me. I just, I always ask questions. And I love the fact that I now get paid to ask questions. Coaching is like the best career choice ever for me. Coaching and podcasting. Wow. Um, so anyway, but what you said is like, you added acceptance in there. And so it sounds like what you're saying is, we have, in order to let curiosity in, we have to first accept the situation. Yeah. I never thought of that. So, so are people being blocked from being curious because they're not accepting what is? Yeah. Yeah. I actually haven't thought of it that way either. And the reality is, is like, and, and so a lot of times it's not, so, it, uh, so, in, so acceptance can't exist wherever there's judgment, right? So if we're judging a situation as bad, then it's impossible to be in acceptance. So if we look at, even if we look at, you know, like, like it feels and looks really, really bad. And also like, how can we be in acceptance of exactly what is? And then in that acceptance, yes, the curiosity can come in. Now that I'm in acceptance, what else is possible? Mm-hmm. So, so for example, and I, I believe this is a part of like my own awakening or whatever you want to call it. I mentioned there in, actually, this was just recently over Christmas break. I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm experiencing the depths of depression. And I have, you know, like, I think that a lot of us creatives really go through this. I shouldn't say, I think I know. Um, it's just, we keep it hidden. And so it's like, we have these kind of manic creative, like, woo, awesome, like tapped up into the clouds times. And then we get grounded back into our human experience, sometimes in the most daunting ways. And I remember so clearly, like my husband would say like, what is wrong? And I'd be like crying on a dime. And I'd be like, I just need to feel this. Like I, it's so important for me to just be with this. Like, I know I'm a coach. I can shift out of it. I can talk myself out of it. I can read, I can go listen to a podcast. I can meditate. I could easily shift myself out of this. Yet I know that if I do that, I will simply be band-aiding it. And it is so important for me to come into full acceptance of this full experience And always, 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 whenever I do that on the other side of it are are the most amazing, amazing possibilities, opportunities, breakthroughs, new, deeper messages coming through, new truths coming through. And there's no way I could have accessed them without stepping into acceptance first. Mm. That's so powerful. I think that was so well said and just so powerful. And that it's so true. Like, depression, pain, grief, these are not pleasant things to feel. We don't like it, you know, our human, our humanness wants to get out of those feelings as fast as possible. And there's so much magic in knowing. I think, I think there's a safety net in knowing I can get out of this Mm -hmm. and I'm going to feel through it. Yeah. And try not to get lost in it completely, and yet 
get lost in it completely. Mm-hmm. There's a certain like not lose yourself yet completely accept the experience. You don't really have the words for that. Well, you know, it's like, as you're speaking, it's reminding me of like that we, we always have an observer, right? Like we always have an observer. And so no matter how ruminating the thoughts become, there's always an observer observing the thoughts. Mm. And so that's where like, no matter how angry I might become or no matter how, you know, much despair I might feel or hopelessness or, or joy or elation or any of the feelings on the whole gamut at the end of the day, like there's always just an observer of all of it. And that's that like safe spot that you're bringing up. Yes. Yes. And I think that that observing space is one of my favorite spaces because that's the space for me where I find human beings hilarious. <laughs> like the whole, this whole thing is just ridiculous. You amuse yourself when you're observing I yourself. I really do. I am hilarious. <laughs> yes. I mean, like the stories I come up with, the drama, the all of it. It's ridiculous. It is really amusing, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I just learned that, like how freeing it is to start seeing yourself as the observer, start referring to yourself in the third person. It's like, huh, Stacy's really getting worked up about that one. (laughs) Wow, look at her go. You know, it's like, (laughs) yeah, with, um, and I'll get really fascinated by it too. Like, huh, yeah, I'm rip shit about this right now. Huh. I haven't felt this in a little while. All right. I wonder what's on the other side. Yeah. Because there's always something on the other side that like the powerful emotions are always, they're always clearing something out or they're always providing a launch pad or something that we can never see ahead of time. Yeah. So cool. It's like, a, um, what is it called? The, the, well, I'm thinking of like when gymnasts use the vault, they bounce on the, well, we're just going to go with launch pad because that's all I can come up with right now. Springboard. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I wasn't a gymnast, but yeah. I was very, very briefly, but, um, was also quickly told you're a little tall for this. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine your feet are like touching the floor on the bottom bars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> um, so Stacey, one of my favorite questions to ask people is what's the scariest thing you've ever done? Hmm. You know, um, interestingly, it's like, it's something I've been working on really for quite some time about redefining my relationship with fear um, and I wouldn't say I'm fearless. I, I feel like, um, I feel like I just have, yeah, redefined my relationship with fear. And to me, um, the moment that I'm at any point stepping into like pressing play on a live or showing up for the find your awesome podcast, like there's always this instance that's like, to me, every single time I'm going into the fullest expression of my soul, I'm opening up, I'm opening myself up to the harshest forms of rejection. And so I can't even say that it's the scariest thing I've ever done because I feel like every single time I'm willing to just share whatever comes through, um, unfiltered, uncensored, um, there's those moments, it's freaking scary. Like it's really scary in that moment. 
And fortunately, it's like a muscle that over time, I just have also known that so long as I don't hold anything back, um, there's, there's shifting, there's transformation, there's breakthrough, there's ahas, there's awareness being brought out into the world. So, but it's still scary every single time. I love that you say you haven't become fearless. Are you familiar with Elizabeth Gilbert's description of fear in Big Magic? Remind me. So she says, she's just talking about it in regards to creativity. I think it works for every part of our lives. She, she'll say, fear, you can come with me. I know you're going to come with me, but you got to sit in the back seat and you don't get a say in the radio. It's like, mm-hmm. you're going to come along. I know, I know fear is going to be there, but it's not in charge of anything. It's just going to hang out. Like we're going to be kind of buddies that aren't the friendliest of buddies, but I know you're there for the ride. Yeah. I love that. Like how much energy do we spend trying to eradicate fear as opposed to accept it? Yeah. It's just part of, it's part of the human experience. And I think, again, it's a practice, like, as you said, of like, yeah, fear comes with me. I do everything scared. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. That's the redefined relationship is that it's like, just, just do it anyway. I mean, any and every opportunity, right? Any and every opportunity that's stretching us beyond where we currently are, is of course going to have fear on its back. And if it doesn't, one of my favorite quotes is anything you do fearlessly, you do in mediocrity. Mm. Oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Like if you weren't afraid, then you're settling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out here too, like fear, anytime you feel a resistance, fear shows up in all forms, but anytime you just feel resistance, you don't have to be like actually trembling from fear to feel fear. Mm-hmm. It's the fear, like seriously, I'm scared all day, all day, <laughs> every day. Because anytime I do something for the first time, which is, yeah, I've recorded, I don't know, 70 plus episodes of this podcast. I haven't recorded this one with you yet. Mm-hmm. That's still like, I don't know. I do. And I am a weirdo who loves uncertainty. Mm. So I get super excited about doing something I've never done before, leaning into that curiosity. Yeah. And yeah, the fear is still there. Fear's still my buddy. <laughs> totally. Love that. Like really loving that uncertainty. And that's where the magic happens, right? Because the second we draw conclusions about what it's going to look like or how it's going to be, we actually limit it. It's like, what if we do like, like always was it, we're in uncertainty in order to keep the openness for unlimited possibilities to show in. Yeah. If we try and write the story, like read the last page when you're reading a book before you read the rest of it, why would you do that? You get an advent calendar, you open all the windows see what's in there and then close them up and get to open them again. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes. It feels like something a sociopath would do. So <laughs> bring that up. <laughs> and yeah, we, we think we want to know, we want to know the outcome of everything before we do it. Mm-hmm. And how boring would that be? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, humans. See, we're just hilarious. (laughs) We are. We are. 
What are you super passionate about right now? Uh, so, okay. So let me think on this one because I'm like, I feel like, um, one of the things that I stepped into this year for 2019 is this non-negotiable, um, activity that I do every single day. And I'm really passionate about it because it's the, the activities that I do that are non-negotiable. For example, um, uh, writing uh, affirmations as my future self every single morning, using essential oils, uh, being in nature. If I'm not in nature, appreciating nature because I'm in Minnesota and I <laughs> can't promise myself I'm going outside some days. But um, so like those non-negotiables are for my personal life. And I just know that they are all things that tap me in immediately, like tap me into source. And um, so that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about tapping into the creative downloads, to the messages, to what my soul wants to express every single day. And then, um, and then I've got some business non-negotiables, which are to be visible, to be visible in that message, to share something every single day. Um, to like, it's great if I have this little, you know, like um, party with source and we get to like have this incredible creative download, but I also have to move it out into the world unapologetically um, in order to, to, to do my work. Right. So, so that's the non-negotiable in my business. And then the other non-negotiable in my business is to make calls to action to people, to invite people to take the next step if they feel ready so that they can make that conscious choice in their businesses or in their lives. That call to action can be, if you want to explore working with me, great. That call to action can be comment below and share your own insights. Whatever it is, I'm asking and inviting people to take whatever I'm sharing and put it into action. And that's something, it sounds so simple, but I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with from a lot of different places. One, forgetting. <laughs> Two, <laughs> feeling uncomfortable with asking for something or feeling like every single call to action needs to be a work with me or buy my program. Yeah. The other thing I'm super passionate about right now is after that whole episode at the end of the last year, um, which lasted about a week, that kind of really depressive thing. I knew that I was sitting on something big unfolding. And um, I really, another thing that I know I'm here to teach is this new wave of marketing and sales. And so I had this creative download, like, Again, I know not all of the people listening to your podcast are entrepreneurs, but like we've got to innovate new ways to, to work with people like this whole, give me your email address and I'll give you this gift. Like, it's just like, there's a whole new way for us to start showing up and to really earn the right for people. Like, I think that that's like, there's this huge sense of entitlement, um, in the marketing space. And so something I'm really passionate about is I, I uncovered my own unique way to really serve people powerfully, but also position it in a way that not everybody has access to it. Like you have to be ready for it. And then I will potently serve you. And then you can make a conscious choice about if you want to take that next step or not. And it's a whole different way to approach marketing. And um, so I'm really excited about innovating new ways and bringing that out into the marketplace. So other entrepreneurs can get out of the strategies and the formulas and the self-serving all about me ways that we're taught to market a lot of times. I love it. And I just came from an event where I felt so validated by this conversation of so many people with online marketing are told, this is the way you have to do it. These are the rules. You have to do it this way. When I first started my business, I set that all up and then I slowly dismantled all of it. <laughs> Yep. didn't work for me. So if people want to learn about more about you, 
more about how to work with you, more about just your tap into your brilliance. Where can I find you? So my website is wealthyminimalist.com. And that's where you can learn more about that movement and everything that uh, I create. And usually when I'm creating a new, that's the first place I update whatever new I'm creating. Okay. And you do super valuable Facebook lives. Yes. Yes. So social too. Facebook's my, uh, my chosen platform. So tons of always inspiring messages coming through. Cause again, that's one of my non-negotiables and yeah, through video writing, anything and everything, just tapping into that energy of, um, of, of working your art, getting yourself out there. Amazing. Is there anything else you want to share before we end this stream of brilliance? <laughs> Uh, no, no, nothing I want to share more than anything. Just want to express like sincere gratitude to you, Kelsey, for giving me the space and the platform to share a message today. I love, I love how we didn't know where this was going and we could just flow into it and, um, totally my style and actually always a little surprised at what does come out and what I'm willing to share. So you must have an incredible audience because I got pretty vulnerable. So you've got quite the container happening in your podcast, which I freaking love. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this adventure. It's been so fun just sitting here in awe and in play with you. Just, yeah, listening to your brilliance. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome. Awesome.